And you died. I don't I don't understand. How did I die? Well, it all started with the AoE. The what? And then you tried to move away from that enemy and you got an AOO. Uh, you're not making any sense. Truth be told, if you made the DC for that skill check before combat, the BBEG probably wouldn't have been able to get a TPK. Yeah, you're just making stuff up, aren't you? You know, you do make a good point. I was just running the encounter completely raw, but you could make the argument that if I had made some stuff up, uh, you might have made it through. I could? You know what? In fact, you know what? You're not dead. I'm going to retcon the whole thing. Uh, I, I don't understand anything that just happened. In this episode of Becoming DM, we're talking about the jargon of tabletop role-playing games. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. So let's maybe dive a little bit deeper into what exactly it is that we're talking about, because I, I think that when I go online and I, I scroll through the various role-playing game forums that I'm on, I find that that we as a role-playing game community use a lot of abbreviations and a lot of terminology that, that people may not know if they're new to the game, new to running the game. Heck, even some of these are things that, that people who are experienced with the game may not understand if they're not um, interacting in online communities as much, right? Oh, absolutely. You, there's so many... Um little tidbits of of language and it's it's kind of game specific language you don't use a lot of this outside of the game and then eventually people drop it down to shorthand and then you step in what two three decades after the after the the when this start all kind of started happening and everybody's using these these terms these words these abbreviations and you're like i don't know what that means yeah, and, and then you start, you maybe go to a forum to ask for some help with something, and somebody replies with all of this, <laughs> this jargon, and you're completely lost. And and I've seen it happen several times, and I'll admit, when I first started getting into some of the online discussions, it took me a moment to, to catch up with some of the, the terminology that was thrown around there as well. So I we, we thought it would be fun to kind of go through some of the more common uh, um, terminology that we see being thrown around, some of the more common abbreviations that we see being thrown around, um, and 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 like just have a discussion about it. Yeah, I think I think uh, just as a side note to that is uh, this might also be a great episode to have your um, significant other or other people in your in your life listen to because when they listen to you talk and they're like I. <laughs> don't know what you mean you can you can just refer them to this episode and be like these guys they'll explain it all and then you'll understand what i'm talking about <laughs> just listen to it together have it be a a, a a date night yeah don't have your date night be listening to our podcast i'm sorry that's just not something you should do <laughs> <laughs> i think it'd be fine a little bit of wine some hors d'oeuvres you know and then us in the background uh setting the mood Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we really get into the list, there's there's a couple things we should call out. This is not going to be completely an exhaustive list. There are going to be 
uh, things out there that people are going to say and refer to that are not going to make our list just because we don't see them as often. Um, and additionally, we've also skipped some of the things that we feel are fairly common or that we have talked about um, on a previous episode of Becoming DM. It's like, we're not going to use, we're not going to explain what NPC is because we assume that everybody probably knows what that is, even if you haven't played a role playing game before and played video games, for instance. Mm-hmm. And as much as we might not explain what it means, we will note that it means non player character. <laughs> you just made me a liar, Danielle. <laughs> I didn't explain it. There's still a shroud of mystery. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, let's jump into the terms. Okay. So I think the first term that we want to be talking about is uh, one that. Um, so I've seen I've seen the term a lot. I've heard about it. Um, I've seen it in a lot of memes and definitely in the online space. And uh, it's it's you guys might have heard it too. Thacko, right? Thacko. Thacko. Now, <laughs> I actually only know the word Thacko from online forums. And in my brain, it occupies this space of basically meaning old school AC. That's my definition in my brain for it, because I actually don't know what it is. But I, <laughs> I do believe that uh, John might be able to enlighten us. Yeah, so THACO, uh, which is actually THAC0, um, stands for two-hit armor class zero. And it is not necessarily armor class. It is what we use to determine if if me, the person that's attacking you, can actually hit you with your armor class. So the important there's a couple of important things to note. Um, this, this really came about, was primarily used in uh, AD&D 2nd Edition, though there was some appearance of two-hit armor class zero in, uh, in the DM's Guide for 1st Edition. Um, the, the, the things to note about it is where in uh, modern D&D and Pathfinder games, the higher your armor class is, the better it is. Uh, with 2nd with Edition AD&D, the lower it was, the better it was. So you had this two-hit armor class zero that was kind of your your basis for everything. So um, it's it was really based upon your level and your class. So a rogue at level five had a different Thacko than a fighter at level five, for instance. Um, but generally speaking, you took the uh, you looked up your Thacko in that chart because second edition was all about the charts, um, and then. If you're attacking somebody, you would subtract their AC uh, from Thacko to, ter- to determine what you needed to roll. So, for instance, if my Thacko was 20, that means I have to roll a 20 if, I, if the person's armor class is 0. Uh, but their armor class was 7, then 20 minus 7 means I have to roll a 13. Yay, math! <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, as you can see, it, it the, the current version of armor class and how we hit that is simplified because the armor class is just the number that you need to hit. You roll, you add your bonuses. Do you do you uh, get to that number? Yes, you hit. No, you don't. There's no like figuring out uh, first what you need to roll and then rolling, uh, which I think is is good from a from a DM player perspective. As a DM, I can I can keep the AC to myself 
and they can roll. And if they miss, they miss. And if they hit, they hit. And they don't necessarily know it until they obviously figure it out through some some rolls and hits and be like, oh, I didn't hit at 15, but I did at 16. So, hey, this is the armor class. <laughs> um, but I, I think generally speaking nowadays, unless you're playing uh, second edition AD&D, uh, referring to Thacko, as as Danielle pointed out, is really just a way of someone saying like, hey, I've played this for a long time. I was there when Thacko was around or I understand <laughs> Thacko, um, whatever the case may be. So that's why you'll see it in, in memes. You'll see it often referring to to uh, things that happened a long time ago uh, in meme format, stuff like that. So that. Okay. Is Thacko, <laughs> and, and now that now that I've had it officially explained to me, I am so happy that we moved to the meet or beat system because that sounds like I mean I understand that you'd eventually just like have your chart and you'd get used to it, but that sounds complicated, like needlessly complicated. <laughs> wow, I mean, once you figure it out, it's it, it kind of becomes second nature because you you from from session to session your thacko is not going to change you'll look it yeah, up so it's like as soon levels. as you hit a level then right. your thacko would be different right and and then you have to do a little bit of math and then you're good <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah, so it's not all bad <laughs> So so while we're on kind of the uh, old school D&D terminology topic, another thing that you'll see thrown around is B-E-C-M-I. And I don't ever like combine this to say like Beck me or anything like that because <laughs> I think that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> so but B-E-C-M-I stands for Basic Expert Companion Master Immortal. And this was... A, a box series of D&D games, um, D&D Basic, that, um, that as you progressed higher in levels, you could get the next box. So you started out with the basic set. And I don't remember what levels they went to. I should have probably looked that up. But let's just say one through five or one through ten. And after you got through those levels, then you could use that character in the, in the blue box, the, the, uh, the expert, and then continue on from there. Until you got to the Immortals, and then you, I, I, pl- I have the Immortals box set. I played it a little bit. It was weird, <laughs> but but this is um, this is not Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. This was kind of the at at the same time as AD and D was was out there. There were these box sets for the for the basic Dungeons and Dragons with these uh, these four five boxes. Go math, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and again, this is just. From a from a play perspective, I don't know that there's a whole lot of people that still play BECMI out there. I'm sure that some people do, but you're not going to really encounter it from a uh, a rules question discussion out there in the ether. Again, this is more of a hey, look, I've played for a really long time, and um, just to highlight that, I've played for a really long time. I do have the B, the E, and the I books. Um, as well as the boxes that came with a couple of them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> huh, yeah, that's see, all I have is the PHB, DMG, um, and the CRB. That's that's Ooh, what I more have. terms. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't have the 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 back me as I would call it because that's the first <laughs> time I've seen it in writing. <laughs> um, but for the newer editions, you've got things like the PHB, which is the player handbook. This is where you're going to find. 
uh, most of your classes, races, um, basic player rules. I think equipment, like basic equipment is in there too. Yep. Um, it's basically what you start with when you're when you're first building your character, uh, especially if you're new to the system uh, and you've maybe only got one book that you're playing with. That'll, that'll typically be, be the one that you're using. Yeah. And if you're if you're the dungeon master, uh, you might want to look into getting a DMG, which is the dungeon master's guide. But this, these terms I find come up at uh, at the table a lot. Somebody will say, oh, where's that? And I don't ever tell them, just look in the DMG, page 38. Or, I, yeah, see, I can't, I never tell them to grab the Dungeon Master's Guide. I tell them to grab the DMG, you know, page 38. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot faster to say. And you honestly say this word much more than I ever thought that I ever would. Uh, so, yeah, it gets shortened down. And then the CRB, that's that's Pathfinder's core rulebook? Yeah, that's basically the equivalent of of the player handbook from D&D within Pathfinder. So it's the core rulebook within Pathfinder, so CRB. So do they also have a Dungeon Master's Guide? Uh, I believe it is actually still called the Dungeon Master's Guide, yeah. I, oh, okay. it's It's been a little while since I've pulled that one off the shelf, so I would have to <laughs> go look to make sure. Um, I know I'm the rules sure too well. Guess. I don't need to look at the book. <laughs> <laughs> My my Pathfinder game has been on hold for a little bit, so I oh, haven't been fair. pulling those books off the shelf. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, the other just because we're talking about the core rule books, the other core rule book is the Monster Manual. Um, mm-hmm. But just because we're talking about acronyms and stuff, uh, some people will type MM in forums and chat. Uh, but I've I don't I don't usually hear people speak. Like in in player speech, I don't hear somebody say, "Well, grab the MM." They say, "Grab yeah, the monster." Yeah, I, I would say you'll see it. You'll see it typed out, um, and just know that they're not saying something tastes really good. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, uh, but I, I I don't think I've ever heard anybody refer to it vocally as the MM. Yeah. Um, because maybe they think that you'll you'll think that they're talking about candy. Um. I think I usually see it as like uh, somebody's typing a response and they'll say like cat folk and then MM168 and then they'll just keep talking just to give you right. the page for the monster manual. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise I don't really see it shorthanded and mo- I don't I feel like p- people don't like talk about it that much. It doesn't get talked about nearly as much as a player's handbook. <laughs> Well, because you're not you're not often telling like the player's handbook. You're 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 telling players where to find stuff. There's a lot more players that you're going to tell where to find stuff than there are maybe DMs that you're going to tell them where to find a, a monster, um, which is what you're going to typically use the monster manual for. So that's true. And I guess as as a DM, I would prefer if uh, a DM being dungeon master, <laughs> I would prefer if my <laughs> I'd prefer if my players didn't just like immediately go grab the monster manual and like look up what yeah. they're fighting. It's like no, there's I wanted mystery. I wanted mystery in the game. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> yep. Um, so moving on, the next uh, abbreviation term acronym, uh, whatever we're going to call it is TPK. Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen this in actually a fair number of, of forums, pages, etc. that I'm in. And inevitably, somebody is not sure of what it is. So I think it, it makes sense for us to call it out here. It's total party kill. So as mm-hmm. the DM, you should be concerned with total, total party kill because that means that all of the players' characters that are in the party that you're running 
just died from the encounter that you gave them. Each and every <laughs> one of them. Um, so unless you're the type of DM that is a very DM versus player type of DM, uh, you probably don't want to see a TPK. Now, sometimes it'll happen because sometimes things just uh, just happen that way. The dice uh, don't roll the way that we always want them to. So, Yeah, um, you can't really stop a party from rolling nat ones all night. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so you'll hear people say, "Yeah, I just had a I just had a TPK at, at my last session. I don't know what to do." Kind of things like that. So that's what they're talking about: is the all the players' characters died. <laughs> um, the uh, I'll, I'll I'll say that on the fun side of TPK uh, here in Portland, they just opened up a, a gaming pub. Uh, called TPK Brewing that uh, we went and checked out last weekend. It's a pretty cool place. No, that so, sounds cool. I, w- I wanted to know if the if the beer would cause a TPK. Um, they they said no. Did, did you <laughs> did you you must have passed your con save? I, I did. Yes. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> what else do we have here, Danielle? <laughs> we have BBEG. This one comes up a lot online. Yep. Um, BBEG, big bad evil guy or girl. Um, it's it's pretty self-explanatory once you hear all of the words that belong in the acronym. Uh, yeah, generally, I, don't, I don't really get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Is that is that the barkeep? Um, <laughs> it is a TPK. Uh, so big bad evil guy or BBEG. I was guy or girl. Um, sometimes people do refer to it just simply as BBG, big bad guy, big bad girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they're not always uh, evil. They're not um, always evil. Sometimes they're just misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're the good guy that uh, the evil party is going against. You never know. Yeah, it could be that. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's big bad, right? Hey, it's bad for my party. It'd be BGG, <laughs> big good guy. Big Okay. Moving on. Yes. So basically the BBEG is uh, the party's nemesis, like the end goal. Um, I don't think usually refer to the BBEG as mini bosses, right? Like the mini bosses work for the BBEG. Yeah. So I've, I've not very often, but I've heard someone use the term LBEG, oh. little bad evil guy. Um, <laughs> it's not one that I see very often. So um, yeah, I would, I would, I usually just call them minions or henchmen or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're employed. Although I do, I do enjoy that little big bed or, or little little bed. L-B-E-G. Little bad evil guy. Uh, yep. I like that. I do like that. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's that's that one. All right. Uh, moving <laughs> on, we have we have raw. And uh, we're not taking you out to a sushi restaurant. Um, I'm making the bad jokes. I I I I apologize. Uh, here we're talking about rules as written, and and basically this refers to the rules on the page without any concern for uh, what may have been intended when they wrote the rules on the page, and going strictly by what's there. Um, it also means that if you're asking for advice in a forum and say, hey. I'm looking for raw for this situation. Um, it's it's basically saying, I know that you as a DM probably have some opinions on this. You probably have some ways that you would run it. I don't care about that. 
I want to know if there are any actual written rules about this. Um, and, and that, that way, because I know that, I know that I've seen a lot of people respond to things that will respond to something as if this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the rule. And really they're just saying, this is how I would run it at my game. So it, it is helpful to make that clarification. Yeah. Rules as read or as written, sorry, rules as written. Um, it, I feel like that's kind of like, isn't that basically like how lawyers operate? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you're, if you're wondering like, as long, as, long falls, as it's, as long as it's good for them, <laughs> yeah, as long as it's good for them, but, and, and they're executing like to the letter of the law. It's like, no, no, no. The contract says may. And because of that, you know, all of this other stuff happens. And so it's, it's going exactly off the wording. There's no, there's no wiggle room for interpretation. Right. Yeah. Um, and then by comparison, we have rule. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. I, I started off with saying what it was. R-A-I. And I, again, I don't say Ray because that, again, to me sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is rules is interpreted. So or, or rules is intended. Sorry. Uh, what, what, what does this actually mean here, Danielle? Well, I'm going to throw in just a little side comment. I've actually, so <clears throat> you've got RAI, right? Rules as intended. I've always mm -hmm. actually operated on RAR, um, R-A-R and R-A-W. R-A-W okay. being rules as written, which we just covered. Okay. And then mm -hmm. R-A-R, which is rules as read. Okay. So I think R-A-R and R-A-I are the same, which is basically how you interpret them. Or so there, saying, there can also be something some uh, with rules as intended. There can also be some. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, taking into account what the designers of the game may have intended when they wrote it. Yeah. Um, and that could be like you interpreting it, but it could also be po post the the designer posting something somewhere and saying, "Yeah, we know that this spell says this. This is what it actually means in these types of circumstances." Um, it Oof. could be something like that. Looks so, like we got a whole nother acronym. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, rules as intended. So what you were just talking about, and that would be, like you said, if, if the designer themselves make a post and are like, no, no, I actually, this is how I wanted that to be interpreted. I have experienced that once. I was looking up, uh, Greece, right? And so I was looking up how everybody interprets uh, the spell Grease. Is it flammable? Mm -hmm. Is it not flammable? And yep. uh, I eventually found a post um, which was referencing the writer of the spell or something like that who had intended it to not be flammable. And so I was right. like, oh, okay. So that, And then I didn't know the acronym rules as intended, but that is definitely where that would fall under because they intended it not to be flammable even though it's not written. Yep. Um, so Jeremy Crawford, one of the designers of D and D, will he posts? I, I see things from him posted in various forums uh, where he makes clarifications of of what was intended and stuff like that. And the I, I will say the nice thing about D and D is like you can take that and you can say, okay, I'm going to do it like that, or you can take that and go, that's stupid. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Not in my world. <laughs> So it, it really is up to you on how, how you want to want to approach that. So like rules as read would really be 
from what you were saying is really just like you as the DM reading the rules and interpreting it and not being so locked into what was on the page, but, but more like, this is what I think this should be based upon what it says. Is that accurate? Yeah. For the rules as read, it's kind of like, it's, it's your own personal interpretation. And so obviously rules as read is subject to a lot more conversation. Let's, let's use the word conversation. Um, mm-hmm. because everybody will read it slightly different, right? Right. But then if you end up having people in disagreement or something, eventually you can just hammer things back down to rules as written because it's like, this is exactly what it says. So we can go by that. Um, even though I thought, or I felt like it should be like this or, you know. Yeah. And it's important to call out like Rules as intended and rules as read are are really important for any game because there are so many potential rules that could be uh, applied within your game that are in just the the PHB, um, and then you add in some of these other other source books and you add in more rules and and like you have this combination of these five things happening at the same time and oh wow where does the where does the rule go and and so i i do think it's important to to take that into consideration and, and apply what makes the most sense for your game uh, and understand that those are those, those are out there it doesn't have to be just what's written on the page yeah sometimes sometimes you just have to make it work right yep um if if not for anything else, but to just keep the game moving. Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe... You just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com slash ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. The next one is an AOE. 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 Is that Age of Empires? Oh, it could be. It could be, but it's not. Not in this case. In this case, it is area of effect. Okay. Yes. So area of effect is kind of what it sounds like. Right? So if you're casting a spell or throwing a flaming bottle of, uh, I don't know, my brain wants to say hot juice, but I know that that's not what I'm looking for. Oil? (laughs) Yes, oil. If you're throwing throwing a flaming bottle of oil, um, it's... it's, Which I'm just going to now on call hot juice. If you throw that, it's gonna it's gonna explode when it hits the ground, and uh, a certain amount of area is going to uh, be covered by the hot juice, um, and that area is defined as the area of effect. And so, if yep. it if it spreads into a five foot square, then the AOE, the area of effect of that instrument, 
is five feet. But it could extend with larger spells or bigger things. Something could have an area of effect of a hundred foot radius. And that's the area in which is affected by the thing you're doing. Yeah, so I think the the thing that, that probably everybody that's ever heard of D&D is aware of is Fireball, which has a 20-foot radius area of effect. So anybody within that 20-foot radius is going to have to make their saving throw and determine what sort of damage they're going to take. Um, area of effect spells are, uh, like, as a DM, one of the really cool ways to uh, give your high AC players a run for their money <laughs> Be- because it doesn't matter what their armor class is if they don't make their save. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. You can really catch people up on saves. Yep. Hooray. So moving on, it sounds similar, but it's not even close, is oh. AOO oh. or Attack of Opportunity. Um, and... In in Pathfinder and D&D, and I'm sure probably other role-playing games as well, there are um, several situations that can cause your character or your enemy to be able to um, make an attack as a reaction when it's not their turn. So uh, I think that the thing that, that I see this most most often happen with is you're standing next to the enemy and you decide, I want to be over there on the other side of the room. And you run, run to the other side of the room Um <laughs> The enemy, because you're leaving their kind of sphere of influence, gets that attack of opportunity. They get to roll the attack dice against you and see if they hit you. Um, other things can can uh, can do it, again, depending upon the system, like trying to fire your ranged weapon when you're standing right next to somebody. Um, I think cast, casting some spells can do it as well. Uh, it depends on how, um, how uh, into the rules your DM is going to get or you as the DM are going to get. Um, but but there are a number of things that could cause that attack of opportunity. Yeah, there's there's a fair amount of them. And uh, you would mention casting spells. If you are casting spells generally right next to an enemy, um, that could provoke an attack of opportunity depending on how you're doing it. And also if that enemy deals damage to you, um, you're going to have to meet a certain DC of a concentration check if you're pay- playing uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. Ooh, nice segue. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so DCs, that's something that comes up a lot, isn't it? Yep. Does Does Pathfinder have DCs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's pretty pretty closely matched. Uh, it's pretty, pretty 3.5, to... isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, so DC means difficulty class. This is uh, any skill that you roll has to have a difficulty check, right? So if if I currently would like to, I don't know, attempt to juggle, right? Me as a person right now, um, that has some difficulty to it. And how do you represent that in a game when somebody says, I want my buddy to juggle, like right now, do it. Um, yep. th- that is how we kind of interact with the game Um for how people do all the things that they do is difficulty classes. And so what you would do, um, I mean, there's a lot of DCs or difficulty classes that are pre-laid out. I think it's like a DC of five is super easy. 10 is average. 15 is hard or something like that. You can find a chart and it's all laid out. So juggling, we'd say, would be a hard activity, DC 15. And so you would roll your 20 based off of 
some sort of skill and that kind of adds up. And so that's, that's what difficulty class is. Yeah. And really when you roll that, you're looking to meet or beat that DC to see if you accomplish the task. Yes. Did you successfully juggle? I did not. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't even sound like you rolled for it. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't need to. The the minuses that I have on my juggling skill would make it impossible. (laughs) Oh, fair. Is that from the full plate? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Moving on. We've got... Uh, G, uh, DMP, DMPC is usually what I hear it referred to. GMPC could be the same thing. Um, I'll just refer to DMPC because we're becoming DM, and let's just stick with that. Um, is the uh, Dungeon Master player character. And this is when a DM has their own character that's part of the game that they control as a character within the game. They get experience like the other characters, stuff like that. I don't really care for DMPCs. Um, I think that that NPCs are a great way for you to inject your personality into the game. There, there are things that you're not worried about tracking. All of the stuff like experience points, and you have a purpose for them when they're in there. And and I, I just feel like DMPC for me just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know about what your thoughts are. I I would agree with that. I've had I've heard some people argue for the DMPC. As well, I only have two players. And le- let me just say that the most successful campaign that I ever ran, like it was, it was, it was hilarious good time for me. It was hilarious good time for my players. Was just a two-player table. Um, mm-hmm. You really don't need that third. I have played one-on-one D and D, and that was fine too. I've never felt the need to have a DMPC. Um, I feel like for me, it would kind of ruin it because like, I've never done it, but I feel like my players would end up relying on that PC and like role playing with them to, to like solve puzzles and to figure out things. And then you'd be like having to, I don't know. I I just think it'd be a weird interaction. Yeah. And, and honestly, if, if you're concerned about the number of, of PCs that are in the party, um, give them the option to hire some people, hire some mercenaries, bring in some NPCs that are important to the storyline and, and run those as NPCs that can, that can help the party move forward, uh, in things like combat, but that can fade into the background when there's things like role play going on so that it's not, um, it's not the DM show because you know all the secrets. You know as the as the DMPC what questions you need to ask this <laughs> ask this NPC. Um, I I just think that 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 having NPCs that can can fade in and fade out of the scene as necessary um, makes makes more sense to me. Yeah, I I definitely prefer that. Also, I'm I'm considering like if you had a DMPC, um, like trying to keep the knowledge in your mind separate. From what yep. is meta knowledge for this character? Yep. That would be a nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so moving on, <laughs> we've got FLGS. What's FLGS, Danielle? Well, I call it flags when I read it. I don't know if other people call it flags <laughs> or if they say flugs. <laughs> flugs, flags. Flugs. I don't know. <laughs> do you do you ever say flags or do you? I don't. I, frankly, let's talk about what what it stands okay. for, right. and then I'll tell you why I don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it 
Flags, um, or FLGS, is your friendly local gaming store. Yes. And the reason that I don't call it Flags is because I just say the game store. (laughs) (laughs) Where if you're... If you're talking online, FLGS is kind of a common terminology at this point, so I will use FLGS there. But if I'm talking to somebody in person, I'll say the game store or I'll say this game store using the proper name of the game store. So That's true. I feel like most game stores have like fun names anyways. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like uh, Rogue's Gallery was the one that I went to uh, in the Austin area. I'm trying to think of um, the name of the one that's that's here that I go to. Well, we've got Wizards Loft, Sentry Box, right? Like those. Like if you're saying I'm, da- I was down at Sentry or I was at the Wizards Loft. You know, those are kind of explain like self, like it's fine. There's and one. It's a that's lot more fun to say CompuSoft. than flags. <laughs> CompuSoft. CompuSoft. Yeah, they were a computer store that transitioned into selling games. <laughs> But and, just said, but, We're not and then everybody name. just bought games from there, and they they just eventually stopped selling computer stuff, but never changed their name. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they get new business. Word of mouth, I guess. It has to be word of mouth because it's nobody searching, you know, yellow pages, going, "Oh, CompuSoft." I was hoping to pick up a board game. <laughs> <laughs> um. Moving on, we have OGL, and this is Open Game License. And if you have been online (laughs) in D&D communities any time over the past, we'll say, year, you probably have heard OGL. You may not have known what it was, but but you've probably seen it. Because OGL is a, a license model that was introduced in the year 2000 by Wizards of the Coast, that um, enabled parts of the game to be replicated freely without being challenged by by the publisher. So this is what allowed things like, um, honestly, this is what allowed things like Pathfinder to come into existence. But it also is what allowed um, all of these third-party content publishers to create content and have it so tightly integrated with the with the D&D um, game system is, is that OGL license, right? Yeah, the OGL is a huge, in my opinion, a huge part of the community um, because it did. It enabled all these third-party um, people to to generate all of this additional extra content for the game, uh, which is amazing, right? Yeah, because well, you, you, Wizards only has a certain number, of, certain amount of budget for the people to work on D anD. d They're only going to be able to create so many things. But if you open it up and you have these thirty, hundred, however many other outside agencies doing it. Now you've basically increased your workforce, so to speak, to increase interest in the game. Mm-hmm. So, And then you said a lot of people probably heard about it, right? The OGL over the last year because Hasbro was announcing, or it, was, it wasn't an announcement. It was like a leak or something for the OGL 2.0? Yeah. So there were, they basically sent out, as I understand it, they sent out surveys to current OGL third-party providers to basically say, this is what we're doing. Tell us what you think. And then that got spread and people became uh, aware that um, Hasbro was looking to, to create a, a version two of the OGL. And 
there's so many details. We're not going to get into it all here, okay. but it created a lot of ruckus. It it created mm-hmm. um, some bad feelings with the third-party publishers. Some of them decided, hey, I'm going to go make my own open gaming license, um, like uh, Pathfinder and Cobalt Press. I believe they were making Orc. Uh, I don't remember what it stands for. Uh, <laughs> but it was another open gaming license, and I think some others did as well. Um Lots of D&D community people were talking about boycotting, about not going to see the D&D movie when it came out as a result of this, and, and just doing a lot of things. Um, Hasbro backed off and basically said, we're not going to do OGL 2.0. The 1.0 was still going to be enacted for all of the things that it's enacted for. We're going to be publishing under Creative Commons moving forward, which is another uh, open licensing standard that is... Um, not necessarily uh, specific to gaming. And um, so things have calmed down a little bit over there. But again, I there's so many more things that we can we, we could get into on this. We just don't have time for, for this episode. Yeah, that would be... Uh, th- there's a lot that went down. Um, but speaking of the OGL, which is the open gaming license, and you said that that kind of opened up and allowed Pathfinder to come in, it's because yep. the the OGL coming into play um, opened up uh, for D and D for me. We reference something called the SRD, SRD, yep. which is the System Reference Document. Which, in the context of the OGL or the Open Gaming License, the SRD is all of the rules, texts, and mechanics, and all that nonsense that got opened up under the OGL. Yeah. So generally speaking, if it's in the SRD, it's covered by the OGL. Yeah. If it's if it's in the book, um, you need to look at the SRD to see if it is. <laughs> yeah, you have to confirm that that's available, open, and free on the SRD, and that basically is is kind of like your cross check to see if it's it's cool and chill under the OGL, because there are some things that just aren't covered in the SRD that are part of um, core mechanics of D and D. Yeah, like if you uh, talk about like the monster manual, I think has probably the highest number of things. Oh, like yeah. beholders are are not part of the OGL. That is a that is a copyrighted piece of D anD D that they have not allowed anyone else to have access to. That's why there's no beholders within Pathfinder. Yes, yeah, they have monsters that are sort of like beholders, but they're not called beholders, and they're a little bit different. <laughs> I think another one, and this one I found out a long time ago, was that uh, starting wealth. Um, by level for 3.5 for sure wasn't part of the SRD and it was always really hard to find you always hmm. had to get up and go get your book to figure it out interesting I did yeah, that, that's that's like Google a weird it. thing to exclude but yeah <laughs> right um, but you know it kept me going back to the book <laughs> well the, the cool thing about all this is that if you are um, a player or DM who does not have a lot of means or who just prefers to search things through computer, uh, you can get access to the SRD for no cost. Just search for Pathfinder SRD or D&D 5e SRD. And and basically they are listed there. Like um, D&D Beyond has all the SRD content in there without having to pay for anything, but also so does Roll20 and um, there's some websites devoted to just hosting the SRD. So there's a lot of different places that you can get it from. Um, and you can kind of take your pick of which which you prefer aesthetically or functionality-wise that works best for you. And um, um, Pathfinder has has several as well. Archives of Nethys and 
I'm not going to remember the name of the other ones, but there's there's several out there as well. Hmm. Neat. I uh, I definitely Google everything. I just <laughs> I own yeah. Uh, like for three point five, I switched back to playing three point five. I'm missing three books out of every book ever released for three point five. <laughs> uh, so I don't. And you still Google everything. <laughs> I and I still Google everything, but then I look at my bookshelf and I go, mm, "Look at them," and uh, I, I'll keep them forever. <laughs> so I use the I use the books in between games quite a bit, but during a game, I I have my computer there that's running the tabletop, and if if I have to look up something real quick, I have um my uh, my combat management tool that that does turns and stuff like that. It has the SRD for the for the monster manual, the player's handbook, um, stuff in there, so I can very quickly look stuff up and and find out something like. If, so what about PBP? Not PVP. Play, not not <laughs> PVP. That would be player versus player, um, which we did not include in here. Uh, PBP is play by post. Um, so it's a way to play tabletop role playing games. You can also play other sorts of games. Um, if they're if they lend themselves to this, but as a way of playing tabletop role playing games uh, using some sort of text based messaging, like forums, chat rooms, or Discord, Slack. If you wanted to use Slack, uh, even SMS. I've actually run um, portions of games through SMS as as a play by post uh, with with some folks as as a way to build out the story in between sessions. But it wasn't a full on play by post. Um, the things to be aware of with play by post is that it's going to be way slower than than your session <laughs> runs even though you're not going to have necessarily a lot of a lot of arguing back and forth about the right course of action and do we go down this path or this path and like joe stole my whatever um even though you don't have that stuff it still takes a long time for people to catch up and write what they want to and and it does afford you the ability to to have more detail in the things that you're saying like i'm going to do this and this and say this in this type of voice and blah 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 um so it's kind of cool for that but it does take a lot longer time Hmm. i've never done it have you ever done it i have um so i uh being the the nerd that i was i i had this um this messaging tool that i was using that i built my own uh, RPG bot for, and I ran a play-by-post game with uh, with with um, my son and a few of his friends when they couldn't get together for our regular Pathfinder game, and it it was interesting. It allowed us to explore some some different kind of themes, but it it did take a very long time, and we didn't finish the storyline just because finally everybody was just got got kind of tired of of waiting on somebody to post their response. Um, so that's the other thing is like, you do have to be on top of everybody to make sure that they're responding in a reasonable amount of time to, to make things move forward. Yeah. You'd have to have like, I feel like a game window would be ideal, but yeah, it, yeah I guess we're not actually like discussing play, like full on play by post. <laughs> I should focus more on the acronyms. You said SMS. What does that mean? I'm just <laughs> Oh, simple messaging service. So, actually, so text, know the text messaging. Yeah. <laughs> Simple messaging service? I believe that's what it is. Oh. Now somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong. But... I was just picking out an acronym. <laughs> and it was unfortunate. It was it was not a, a game-related one. <laughs> but, uh, oh, well, there we go. 
They your had, your they, standard uh, uh, mobile phone text messaging. So yeah, I, I knew that it meant text messaging, but like I didn't know what it meant. You know? Yeah. Huh. Well, there you go. Um, All right, I think we have one more term that we're going to talk about, right? Yes, it's the best term. You're going <laughs> to... <laughs> well, have at it then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's at the... It's at the it's, uh, it's the last term we're going to talk to because no matter what we did, we were going to end up at this topic point because <laughs> uh, this topic point is railroading. Um, and yeah, folks, that's right. We're on tracks. Uh it's a way of running the game where the players have no choices or the choices they make have no outcome for the game. Um, it's generally not talked about highly, although in some instances um, you should have like imaginary tracks, but when people can feel you railroading them, you know, it's, it's not ideal, but so you hear a lot of people talking about railroading, you know, Oh, he was just railroading us or it felt very railroady. Right? That kind of stuff. Yep. But it, it's basically a way of saying this game is on tracks, like a train, right? With a car, you can turn the steering wheel, you can go places, you can do things, you can drive into that building. Lord knows a player would. Um, but if you're if you're on a railroad, you, there's no steering wheel. You can't turn it. You're just standing there. You're riding the ride and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting when I've seen people talk about railroading that... They have different ideas of what railroading means. Like I've heard some people say, hey, if I give my players a choice, a a branch in the road and there's there's two choices and they choose option A and they get something. But if they would have chosen option B, they would have gotten the same thing. That's not railroading. I feel, I feel like that is um, there. There is a, another term that I haven't ever seen anybody use, but in doing a little bit of research for this episode, I came across was Rome roading or all all roads lead to Rome, uh, where basically mm. it's just that. Where if you choose branch A or branch B, it still takes you to branch A. Um, that in my mind is still railroading because you're you're basically making the choices that the players make mean nothing. Um, and, and I, I, I hear lots of people say, well, as a DM, I, I shouldn't have to prepare these 9,000 different options for players if they're going to choose the way that I don't want them to go. And, And my answer is like, if you don't want them to choose that way, don't offer them the choice. Say the path goes this way and you see off in the distance, this thing and, and, um, and just go from there. Don't, Give them this false choice of, of hey, the, this path is dark. This path is light. All right, guys, let's go to the light path. Okay, you walk 50 feet in and it starts getting dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think, I think the core idea about this is that, that players' choices have no impact. Right. Yep. That's that's what I think people need to focus on for railroading is if their choices have no impact, like – uh, my players right now, they're heading towards, like, they're on this huge, long adventure arc to get to the BBEG. We already covered that one. And yep. uh, eventually, I really hope that they're going to end up at the BBEG. It would be weird if they didn't. Um, but they're making choices, and they're moving in different directions. Let's take one specific one where they went, you know, left, right? And if they would have gone right, it would have taken them basically, let's say, straight to the BBEG, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They went. They went left, 
And so now they're actually adding like a month of time onto the BBEG's um, timeline, right? And so he's going to progress further on his adventure because he's doing his own thing and he gets an extra month of advancement on on his nonsense, right? And so in that respect, their choice absolutely mattered. They will be, they will have more levels before they face him, but he will have more followers. Right. And, and as you, as you think about it, we're, we're taught, we keep on talking about directions that we're choosing to go, but, Mm. but their choices could be a lot of different things. Um, Their choice could be, well, you know, this, 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 bad guy doesn't really sound so bad i want to join them and if and if you say well the the bad guy doesn't want to have anything to do with you and he's still intent on destroying you well yeah that might have been the the final case but you didn't really give them a chance to make their case on why they should go there and 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 actually turn that into an option um things like that i think give you an opportunity to show players that this isn't just like a board game, that the things that they choose to do um, can actually make it go to a completely different direction that nobody ever would potentially have thought possible. Mm -hmm. And so that's what railroading means. All right. (laughs) Um, I think that's it. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about, about terminology or acronyms, anything like that, that we're using in the game? Um, I don't think so. I think the only note that I would make is if you're if you're new to the game and you're sitting at a table, I think all like pretty much all players like internally acknowledge that we use all of these acronyms just to shorten down our speech. And you don't understand this thing that everybody keeps saying. If you, just ask, right? Be like everybody keeps saying PC. What is PC? You guys clearly aren't talking about computers, it's like, <laughs> right? It's like, no, we're talking about our player characters and they can explain it to you um, while you're sitting there and just just feel free to ask. They know that they're using acronyms. And if you're new to the to the scene, they should be more than well aware that you're you wouldn't have heard about AOEs before. Yeah. And I think that that goes for the online forums as well. Most of the ones that I've been in have been pretty good about when somebody says, I don't understand what you mean BBEG. Um, they get they get responses that that are uh, are are helpful. Sure, there are some responses that are snarky because that's the type of community that that we operate in. But but by and large, I, I've seen helpful responses that help somebody get to understanding of what, of what we're talking about as well. Yeah, you'll always you'll always eventually get your answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's all we wanted to talk about. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Becoming DM. Uh, We will talk to you in another couple of weeks. Until then, stay Stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then. <laughs>